I don't know if it's just me, but I suspect that this series has been a little bit of an aha moment uh, or a moment of realization for some of us in, in the community. And ultimately, I think what all of this boils down to, everything that we've talked about for the last four weeks is recognizing that God is always in us and always working through us. If we've said yes to Jesus, then he is always present with us and we ought to live our lives as if that was the truth. Welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia, who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. Hey everyone, welcome back to yet another corner of our living room. The tour continues. Uh, you've got our piano and our record collection in the background this time. We've got the camera kind of just uh, sitting pretty much in the kitchen there. Um, and all of the mess and all of the stuff that we took off the piano and the, the shelf uh, is all on a chair that you can't see. Um, but don't worry, we do have clutter in our house. We just hit it for the video. Uh, moving swiftly onwards... Uh, Welcome also to week four and the final week of this series that we've been doing uh, called From Garden to City. Uh, We've been tracking through the biblical theme of work and rest. And I think it's really interesting that we've been doing this series in the context of lockdown. Because it's kind of like all of our normal rhythms of work and rest, for most of us anyway, have just been thrown out the window. And uh, everything's kind of been meshed into this sameness of just being home all the time. And I kind of wonder whether God knew knew what he was doing uh, when he got me to put this series here. Um, I wonder if it's been a helpful chance to reflect on what the rhythms are that you have during lockdown. I wonder whether some of Dan's thoughts on that last week were helpful. Um, I also, we've had some great conversations and feedback um, off the back of this series. Uh, In our life group, I've had some awesome conversations with individuals Uh, during the week. Um, I just feel like this series has really landed for us. And so if you haven't caught all of the messages, I really would encourage you. um, I finally updated the podcast. So they're all there on iTunes and Spotify and everything. Um, I really would encourage you to listen to the messages and especially the one that Dan did last week. I think that was really um, significant. We had some great chats in life group. Um, But yes, all good things have to come to an end. This is our final week. And what we're doing tonight is we're kind of tying it all together and asking the question, how do we live integrated lives? How do we find the balance, the right balance between work and rest? And how do we do that uh, in a way that is honoring of the Lord? Um, Now, before we get there, I do just want to review a few of the key points that we've taken from this series so far. And the first one actually comes from before this series. Uh, the, the one that we did before this, um, the Kingdom of Reformation, the basic idea of that was that this Christianity thing, this life following Jesus is not about getting whisked away to heaven when we die. It's actually about God's re-entry plan. It's about his uh, mission through Jesus to bring all the brokenness in his good creation uh, back into alignment to restore all things and to become king again. 
And the implications of that are absolutely profound. And one of the implications uh, is, is this series, is that um, when we f- begin to follow Jesus, that decision affects every part of our lives. Um, in week w- one of this series, we talked about um, the biblical story is not God making this perfect creation and putting humans in there and telling them not to break it. No, it's actually God creating this incredible canvas of a creation and inviting us to continue um, to partner with him in his ongoing creative work. Um, you know, work is um, the, a blessing that God gave us uh, as, as humans um, to, to go out from the garden and to build a city. And when we look at the biblical story, that's what we see. We see it begins Genesis 1 to 3 in a garden. And in Revelation 21, 22, God returns to be with his people uh, and we find ourselves in a city. Uh, from week two, we talked about the fact that work is not the curse. Work is not a curse. It's actually part of God's design for us as humanity. Um, it's actually not work that's the curse. It's the ground that we have to work that is cursed. Um, you know, work should be delight, our delight, but instead uh, it is frustrated um, and tainted by our sin and the brokenness of the world. In week three, our good friend Dan from uh, Over the Ditch, he told us about this secret weapon that we have, uh, which is called Sabbath rest. Uh, And there's two things. I mean, there's so many things I took out of that message, but really there's two things. First of all, Sabbath is an act of resistance against the brokenness um, of work in our world. And secondly, that Sabbath is a prophetic act which points Uh, to the glorious future that we have in store for us when Jesus returns. And so tonight, like I said, we're putting it all together and we're talking about how to live integrated lives, Um, living lives uh, where work and rest are in harmony and feed into one another uh, and help us to step into uh, the calling and the identity that Jesus has for us. And hopefully also as we do this, leaving behind this old idea that um, some parts of our lives are secular and some are sacred, that some parts really matter to God and some not so much. My hope is that as we talk about living integrated lives with work and rest in balance, we'll realize that all of our lives um, are touched by the love and the grace of God. And so if you want to learn how to do that, if you want to figure out how to um, step into God's best vision, for the rhythms and purposes of our lives, then the best place you can possibly look is at Jesus himself. So let's do that. All right, so like I said, if we want to understand humanity at its finest, if we want to experience and see true humanity, then look no further than Jesus himself. Uh, He is our example. And it's not just his teaching, uh, although that's wonderful. It's not just his death and resurrection, although uh, those events are the source of our being and our uh, reunited relationship with God. But also we look at the way that he lived his life. We look at how he reacted in different circumstances, uh, what he said, how he treated people. And, um, you know, like us, Jesus had a vocation. He was a traveling preacher and rabbi and healer. 
like us, Jesus would get tired. He would experience grief and hardship. He knew what it was like. He was fully God, but he was also fully human. And like us, Jesus knew he needed uh, to rest. You know, if God himself in the act of creation rested, then of course Jesus would need to rest as he went about his vocation too. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest. That's Jesus. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. And so we are going to read a short story about a day in the life of Jesus. And we're going to look at how he, he treats this balance between work and rest. And we're going to walk through the passage and see what we can learn from the life of Jesus. Now, just for a little bit of context, uh, where we pick up in this passage, it's Matthew 14, starting from verse 13. Uh, Jesus has just learned that his cousin and childhood friend, John the Baptist, has been killed. And so obviously Jesus is really upset and grief-stricken. And that's where we pick up. So let's start reading uh, from Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him and followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. So what I want to do now is take a moment just to step through the passage and I want to draw out a few uh, important points that I think will help us to understand this idea of balance of work and rest. Uh, And the first thing that happens in this passage that we read about in verse 13 is that it begins with an interruption. Now, I don't know if you've ever had to go through the process of grieving. Um, I have. And something that I learned about myself is that I'm a very internal processor. Jen will tell you that. Um, I love, I'm a massive extrovert, but when it comes to big things, I like to take them away and think about them and ruminate on them. And so I really understand how difficult it must have been for Jesus, who just needs to take some time to grieve for his friend, um, to be interrupted by a crowd of people who want ministry. Um, And you know, I think what Jesus realizes Uh, is that this interruption is actually a God moment. Uh, And that for him, he actually needs to be willing to put aside uh, his need for rest and space and time with God uh, to minister to other people. One of the challenges I think we can come across as we're trying to learn how to get our lives into balance is um, for some of us, we we feel this need um, to be very rigid 
in our rhythms of work and rest. Now, there's definitely a place for discipline. And uh, we're going to cover this a little bit later. But um, the mistake that the Pharisees made, that the religious leaders made when it came to Sabbath, is that for them, it was all about the practice and it was, wasn't about the heart. You know, it's so important for us to prioritize rest and space in our lives, but it's also really important to be aware of what God is up to and when God is on the move to join him. So moving on to verse 14, um, how does Jesus respond to this interruption? Well, I think his response is absolutely beautiful. Uh, We read that his response is that he has compassion. On the people. Jesus has gone to this place where there should be no one else, and yet a crowd shows up uh, and he has compassion on them. You know what it's like? It's a little bit like uh, Jesus being called into work when he really, really needs a personal day. Now, again, I'm not trying to say that we should uh, give up our time of rest whenever a distraction comes along, um, but what's happening here is Jesus is very connected to the why. Of his ministry. And he responds to this situation uh, from a sense of compassion rather than a sense of duty. That's a really important uh, thing to, to draw apart. He's not seeing the crowd and going, oh, I probably should go and minister to them. He sees them and his heart breaks for them. And I think the thing that we can all learn um, in terms of our own work is that it's really important to build a deep connection to the why. Why do you do what you do? What are you there for? How are you contributing to society in whatever small way by what you are doing, by the work of your hands? And I think when we get connected to that why, it helps us to build strong foundations towards building a healthy uh, rhythm of work and rest so that when the interruptions come along, when you understand your why, you're able to decide whether this is something that you should, uh, you should embrace the interruption Uh, or whether you should uh, choose to instead focus on that time of rest. So as we continue to read uh, through towards verse 16, Jesus ministers to these people rather than sending them away, which is probably what I'd do if I'm really honest. Um, I need my personal day. Uh, Jesus ministers to them. And as the day comes to an end, something really unexpected happens. You know, I think feeding the crowd is a really fascinating Miracle, And there's one other instance we read about in the Gospels where Jesus feeds a crowd. Um, There's the miracle of the water to wine. Um, But aside from those two, it's quite a unique miracle within the Gospels. Um, There's all sorts of symbolism and meaning that we could go into as we explore uh, this beautiful miracle and this beautiful moment in Jesus' ministry. But what I want to draw out um, or what I want to point out is that for Jesus, catering was not in his job description. You know, he wasn't like feeding people wasn't, I mean, not in a literal sense anyway, wasn't one of the primary reasons why he came. And yet in this moment, I think what happens is Jesus realizes that he can use his professional skills, you know, being God incarnate to meet a need, a very practical need that's in front of him. You know, all of us, um, Whatever we do, we gain skills and experience and expertise that no one else has. No one else has your life story. Use your experience, your expertise in creative ways to do the ministry of the kingdom. 
If you have the skills and expertise to meet a need, uh, then, then step into that. Then do it. Be a blessing. Tracking onwards to verse 19, we, we find a little bit more uh, information about how Jesus goes about distributing the food um, and the conversation he has. But something I want to point out that I think is really important, verse 19, is that Jesus actually includes his disciples, his followers, in the miracle. Now, remember what we were talking about in week one, what I reminded you of uh, just before, is that God wants to include us in his ministry. He wants to partner with us. And this is such a beautiful example of that. And so I would encourage you, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, be aware of what God is doing and see how you can help. When you see God on the move, ask, okay, Lord, how can I be a part of this? And then likewise, if you find yourself uh, in a situation where you need to feed a crowd, maybe literally, maybe metaphorically, see how you can get others involved. Draw other people in. Because if you try and do everything on your own, it's going to wear you out. You know, I think Jesus recognized in this moment that he actually practically needed a little bit of help to pull this one off. And finally, uh, coming towards the end of the story, verses 22, 23, um, the story comes full circle. You know, we began with Jesus' time of rest and mourning being interrupted by this crowd showing up in the absolute middle of nowhere. And, you know, I think sometimes it's so uh, easy to go with the interruptions when they come along and just say, you know what, I was going to rest there, but I'm just going to just push on another day, just one more day. It's so easy to just go with the interruptions and end up being on seven days a week. But yet what Jesus does at the end of this story is he makes time to spend with God. He didn't get it in the morning. And so he finds a way to get it in the evening. And the way he did it, I think is very creative. You know, they needed to get across the other side of the lake. And so Jesus said, well, you guys go on ahead. I'm going to spend um, the night on the mountainside praying. And I've got my own transport arrangements to get back. That's a joke. If you read on, he uh, walks on water to catch up to them, which is pretty cool. Um, Now, obviously, not all of us can walk on water. But the point is, Jesus um, made space in his schedule um, to to make up for the interruption. He, He didn't just let it go. He didn't just keep pressing on with his work. He actually found a way to stop and rest and spend time with God. I think you'll agree, looking back through this passage, uh, and the point is that Jesus demonstrated a really healthy rhythm of work and rest. And uh, Dan, I think last week, summed it up really well that often we will swing to one extreme or to the other. You know, uh, for some of us, we really struggle to switch off from work. We love to be on seven days a week, always checking emails, always responding to calls. Whereas for others of us, we kind of almost go too far the other way um, and swing over to rest. We kind of shut down and opt out of life or um, try not to get ourselves too busy. Um, You know, for some of us, finding a balance uh, means being honest with yourself and like Jesus, getting a little bit creative. Maybe your life is chaos, Um, particularly for those of us with kids. Um, Get creative like Jesus and find space. Um, maybe for others of us, um, it's the opposite challenge. You know, you actually need to put a little bit of structure into your life, you know, get a calendar and start using it, 
Um, schedule in times to be productive and times to rest and be with God. I can imagine some of us at this point are saying, well, you know what? Finding a balance in my life is just not possible. You don't know my circumstances. And I'll concede, no, I probably don't know your circumstances. But this isn't for anyone else. No one is telling you that you have to rest because they want you to rest. This is for you. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so I want to challenge us, regardless of how chaotic or crazy your life is, make time for the things that matter. Get creative and find a way to find that balance because at the end of the day, the one that suffers if you don't have balance is you and the people that you love around you. So how do we actually do that? Glad you asked. Let's talk about that next. When I first planned this series, I'd actually planned on doing a little bit more teaching um, around this topic and particularly looking a little bit about um, the threat of work and rest as it relates to our future in eternity with Jesus. But as I was preparing um, and as I went through this passage, I felt like the Lord really encouraged me just to let the life of Jesus speak. And so we're not going to do any more teaching um, on this topic. But like I said before, I want to try and help us make this uh, concept of balance that we see demonstrated here by Jesus. Um, I want to help us make that reality in our lives. And so um, we, I drew out five points from the passage before. And so now I'm going to ask you five questions and leave a brief pause between each one for you to reflect. Maybe if you're a um, writer, you can grab your phone out or you can scribble down some thoughts or maybe just um, answer these questions in your mind. But I want you to engage with this moment and actually um, let's not let this topic that we've just read about in the scripture just be ideas, but let's make this concrete and real in our lives. Uh, you know, la- last week, Dan said something that really stuck with me. He said that at the end of 2019, um, he wrote in their board report that he was, uh, his tank was full for his family, full for his church and full for Jesus. Don't we want to be that way? Do we actually enjoy being tired and run down? My hope is that by engaging with the way of Jesus, by the way that Jesus lived, um, we could be like that too. Finding this rhythm of work and rest, uh, we can fill our tanks as well. So five questions. Uh, I'll leave a, a gap for each one. The first question is, what is the state of your heart right now? We read that at the beginning of this passage, Jesus was grieving. Maybe you're grieving. Maybe you're bored or frustrated or apprehensive. Maybe you're content or peaceful or feeling creative or motivated. Whatever it is, I want you to think of a a good quality feeling word that describes the state of your heart uh, right now. The only disallowed answers are good, bad, or tired. You can be more creative than that. So what's the state of your heart right now? Very good. I hope you've got your feeling word. Uh, Question two, 
Which way does God want you to lean right now? Remember I said earlier that we tend to lean um, either towards being on and working all the time or um, to sort of switching off. Um, Which way does God want you to lean right now? Are you needing to start to embrace the interruptions? Um, Or are you needing to find a sense of routine and, and start putting things in your calendar? You know, at this moment in this story, Jesus was called to embrace the interruption because it was absolutely a God thing. Um, But that doesn't mean that we should always embrace every interruption that comes our way. Um, My experience is that most of our lives are actually formed in rhythm and habit. And so which is God asking you to do? Lean in towards interruptions uh, or get the calendar out and actually start putting some more structure into your life? Very good. Hopefully you're not all leaning literally to either side, but if you are, then great. Uh, Question three, how does God want you to get creative in your work this week? Now, uh, like we talked about in the first week, work might mean very something very different to you than it does to me. Maybe it means homeschooling your kids or uh, spending your whole day on Zoom or writing essays or reading financial reports or managing a team, whatever it is. Um, You know, Jesus got creative and fed a crowd using his gifting. And so how can you, uh, in a similar way, how can you you use your work as an opportunity to do something for the kingdom this week? Very good. Uh, No prizes if you guess the next question, which is how does God want you to get creative in your rest this week? You know, Jesus had to be quite creative. He sent the the disciples ahead of him on the lake and he decided that he was going to walk on the water to go and meet them so that he could carve out some time from his schedule to spend with God and to grieve the loss of his friend. Um, Maybe you can't walk on water. I haven't tried recently, but, um, you know, I think all of us have the opportunity to make choices like that, where we choose to carve out time um, and use those in-between moments to get a moment with God. You know, something I've found really helpful recently is dropping Davy at daycare and driving a slightly longer way home so that I can listen to a song um, that, that brings me towards God. So question four, how does God want you to get creative in your rest this week? Very good. I hope no one decided to get creative and switch off church and go and have some rest. But if you did, obviously you listened. Uh, Final question. Question five, how will you draw others into your work or rest this week? When Jesus fed the crowd, he got his disciples involved. He realized he actually needed some uh, practical help to make this miracle happening happen. Um, and doing stuff in community is really difficult in lockdown. It requires a lot of intentionality. But I actually think that what if this lockdown is a time for us to learn how to be very intentional within community again? 
we've been playing Mario Kart with friends. And that might sound ridiculous, but one of the ways that I love to uh, switch off and just get a bit of recharge time is I love playing video games. I'm a massive nerd there. You've heard it from the front. Um, but yeah, playing with friends has just been a great way to take something that I naturally do to recharge and do it together. Maybe uh, you're into bushwalking. Uh, you're allowed to walk with one other person. And so why not take advantage of that? Um, maybe at work, choosing to engage with someone or uh, work together on a problem with someone that you wouldn't ordinarily work with. So how will you draw others into your work or rest this week? All right, thanks for uh, humoring me with that little exercise. And hopefully it was helpful. You know, I suspect that you probably didn't get a really good earth shattering answer to all five of those. Um, but even if you have an answer to one or two of them, why don't you take that with you into this week um, and take steps towards finding this balance and finding, uh, finding these rhythms, particularly in lockdown, that will help you um, to work and rest the way that God intended. So we're almost there. We've just got one last thing before we wrap up with the message. I don't know if it's just me, but I suspect that this series has been a little bit of an aha moment uh, or a moment of realization for some of us in, in the community. And ultimately, I think what all of this boils down to, everything that we've talked about for the last four weeks is recognizing that God is always in us and always working through us. If we've said yes to Jesus, then he is always present with us and we ought to live our lives as if that was the truth. We are constantly being shaped uh, into the likeness of Christ by the Holy Spirit, uh, even when we don't realize that God is working in and through us so that we can sustainably um, partner with God in this wonderful creative work um, of, of taking the raw materials of the garden and turning it into a city like we read about at the end of the Bible. And so um, really simply, as we finish up with this series, as we finish up with this talk, um, I want to read our closing prayer uh, this evening um, from a lady by the name of Susanna Wesley. Now, she lived several hundred years ago. Uh, she was an extraordinary woman of God. It is worth reading up a little bit about her life because the stuff that she went through uh, and the stuff that she did for God and the life that she lived for God was amazing. Um, that's another story for another time. She was also the mother of Charles and John Wesley, who apparently had uh, some sort of significant impact on church history. But uh, I want to finish by uh, reading a prayer that I'm led to believe she said each day. Uh, and the prayer goes like this. So why don't we bow our heads? Help me, Lord, to remember that religion is not to be confined to the church or closet, nor exercised only in prayer and meditation, but that everywhere I am is in your presence. So may my every word and action have moral content. May all the happenings of my life prove useful and beneficial to me. 
May all things instruct me and afford me an opportunity of exercising some virtue and daily learning and growing towards your likeness.